the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. American prosperity is the bedrock of freedom and security all over the world. An obligation to the heritage of liberty and dignity handed down to us by our forefathers. It's time for the Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. This is an important, important uh, program today. Uh, More important than ever, this first segment, because uh, Donald Trump has described something that we have needed to have happen. I I suppose it will only happen if he becomes president. So, But uh, welcome to the Pro-America Report. This is right up the alley of the Pro-America movement, America First movement. And uh, and President Trump has put his finger on the pulse of the American people. I I, I think it's um, I heard this described once. I heard something similar described once by um, Scott Adams, Scott Adams, the Dilbert cartoonist who has uh, become uh, a commentator, a really interesting commentator and author on uh, politics and other things. And he once said, if somebody like Bill Gates or Warren Buffett created a degree, a college degree where you could say when you went to a job interview, they'd say, well, do you have a bachelor's uh, from a university? And you'd say, no, I've got a Gates degree or I've got a Buffett diploma. And and it was recognizable. Then then people would accept it. And once they accepted it, you could shatter the monopoly of the university system because they teach so many things that aren't worth teaching. And they forget so many things that are important to teach. I mean, they forget to do it or forget they don't do it. I don't know if they forget to do it, but they don't do it. And so this idea, uh, this notion of uh, of of having some kind of special new degree is exactly what Trump, Donald Trump, talked about, where he said uh, just in the last uh, day or so, he announced he wants to have a new institution for online education and call it the American Academy. And here's where it's important. The school would grant credit. To the students, excuse me, the school would uh, make sure that the credentials from the American Academy were sufficient and were qualified for jobs with the U.S. government and federal contractors. So you see, he, because as president, he could do this. He could force everybody who is a contractor with the government to accept the degrees. You can't say, no, no, I need you to get a university approved degree. No, they would, he'd be, and, that, and that's everybody at this point in our culture. I mean, what, what government, federal government is the biggest employer. State governments get money from the federal government. So they could likely lean on them and say, you got to count it. And so the American Academy would be an online education, higher ed college, and it would be free and it would combat the wokeness and jihadism because they wouldn't be allowed. Now, think about this. The quote that Trump says is we spend more money on higher education than any other nation in the world. And yet our, our higher education is turning our students into communists and terrorists and sympathizers of many, many different dimensions. We can't let this happen. It's a perfect, perfect time. I think it should have been done 
I think Trump could have suggested it even before the last couple of weeks, but certainly the last couple of weeks have shown college students to be really, really misguided. Whether it's the how much, excuse me, Hamas supporting or some of the others and the violence that's going on, it's wild. Now, important, Trump says he's going to make the higher education pay for it. How's he going to do that? Well, for the first time, this is awesome. Remember this in the 2017 tax law, Trump demanded and got a 1.4% uh, tax on the investment income of our nation's wealthiest private universities. So that those are the ones like Harvard that have a $50 billion endowment, Washington University in St. Louis. I think they've got over $10 billion endowment. These places have huge endowments and the money has been generated in large part on the, uh, uh, on the backs of the federal loan system of the, the loan system that was uh, that was created and managed in such a way that it in, that it made it possible for lots and lots of people, tons of people, to have uh, to have to get loans that shouldn't have, student loans, and the guarantee was from the government, not the institution. So the institutions got paid. So you go to Wash U, Washington University in St. Louis, it costs you seventy thousand dollars. You can't really afford to pay. You take loans. The schools get paid. They put the money in the bank. The students are the ones that are going to have a future that's uh, in in, tr- in trouble and and problematic. But they're not the not the not the universities. So anyway, so they have huge endowments, and Trump taxed them. Trump created, demanded a tax on those. Should be more. He wanted more, but he couldn't get it. The the uh, legislature, the Congress backed off of it. And so uh, my point here is, it will be paid for by the higher education. It's fantastic. It's perfect. It's perfect. It's it's a perfect way to do it. It's a perfect time to do it. And you know the combination of online working so well. The, te- the technology allows you to interact online. It's not like the old days where online meant you just watched a video. You know, that doesn't have to be it, although that could be a large part of it. And again, as someone said to me um, for uh, ages, why should the best teacher be limited to one university? The best teacher in a classroom. And you can say that, oh, well, the, uh, the, um, the teacher, you know, it's the interaction, all that. Well, maybe. Maybe, but I think it's actually uh, also importantly and um, and uh, and uh, widely because of the actual presentation of material. And so make those people available and then have discussion groups and everything else. By the way, I do want to say there was talk in this uh, coverage of this that uh, that um, uh, the American University, the idea of a single a national American university has been around for many, many years. George Washington addressed it. He was he wanted a national university to prevent promote science, literature and civic education. You know, also, there has been some efforts a few years ago. I tracked that um, 1997 it started, but it kind of got accelerated in the last maybe 10 years. Um, And it's called Western Governors University. It's a private nonprofit online university based in in Utah. And it's it's a different kind of thing. It's meant for um, uh, advanced education for working professionals. So things like, um, I think, uh, master's degrees and MBAs and advanced degrees. Um, so the um, but that's gotten a lot of attention. That's gotten a lot of attention and, and it's grown. I don't know why it got so popular about um, about uh, 10 years ago. It started. They started run advertisements. I noticed them on radio and TV um, saying you should look into signing up. And uh, they have colleges of uh, college of business, information technology, teachers college and then health professionals and um, all online, though. 
all online bachelors as well as masters. I'm finally looking at it. I found it. Um, but, but the reality is um, the, uh, the, um, the reality is that uh, uh, the, um, the reality is that the, the, uh, the Western governors association is a nonprofit uh, uh, entity and it's, uh, I think it's private. And I say that it's private. It's not a publicly run thing. Yeah. So it's not, it's, it's, it's not making money. I mean, it's not for profit, but it's private. So it's doing something to sustain itself. This would be a um, federally funded, federally mandated. Now, my only problem with this, my only problem with the American Academy is this, and this is a big caveat. It sounds really good when you can envision or when you not envision when you have someone running it who you respect. So for for example, if Donald Trump is the president and he starts the American Academy and he appoints someone as president who is into America and into the American culture and into the American, you know, greatness. Okay, it's good. The problem is what if the vast number of students sign up into it and they end up in the system and then someone loses an election and we end up with a real far left president and he takes that university where everybody's existing and creates a mess. You know, part of me says, oh, this could be a real problem. Part of me says this could be lead us in a place that could, you know, to a place that could be worrisome. So it's not entirely a hundred percent, you know, the, the uh, I'm not entirely sold on it. I'm not entirely sold on the fact that there's not some real um, some real challenges uh, within the implementation. But here's what I, what you need to know. I think the best thing about this is it might just shatter the system. It might just shatter the system of, of higher education. And if you could shatter the system of higher education where there was a series, not just one, but a series of American academies, or 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 uh, or like I just said, the Western Governors Association is a is an online nonprofit uh, version. So you get the American Academy that makes it totally clear that you cannot distinguish from people that are taking their that are, are taking their on- courses online. You have to accept them completely. Once you get that done, you shatter the system. Maybe that's enough. You know, maybe that's enough. Maybe that's what we need to have happen that we need that to shatter the system. And then going forward, you could still, you know, escape from any uh, uh, government run entity that just, that got sloppy and messy and end up in a different system. Then maybe that's the way it's going. I, what I know is I have to say, I hope we don't have another presidency where a Republican or a conservative wins and they say they're going to do something about education. I'm going to get rid of the department of education. And then nothing happens dramatically. We need to dramatically have some, this would be a dramatic shift. If he could get it through, if Trump could get this passed, the Congress is going to be a congressional. I think it's got to be a congressional. Uh, it's got to be an action of the legislature. It could be a, um, it could be a real game changer and a real positive thing. And, uh, and I think it's worth, uh, it's worth paying a lot of attention to. So, um, that's the one. That's what I'm excited about it. You've watched the video of Donald Trump talking about it over on his website, and that's uh, pretty good. Pretty great idea and great timing, I have to say, um, for him to bring this up. So there you have it. All right, we'll take a break and come right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Don't excuse me, Ed Martin on the Pro America Report. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com. Be right back.
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, we, it is timing, timing, timing. I always tell my listeners it's timing when you're taking up an issue, especially you want to try to think down the field a little bit. Well, in this case, our next guest is Jared Knott. Um, he's an author. He's also a, a decorated combat uh, infantry officer from the Vietnam era. Um, he's a commentator. His book is uh, Tiny Blunders, Big Disasters, 39 Tiny Mistakes That Changed the World Forever. And uh, my timing, I mean, on this was that we're, one of the headlines or one of the back and forth I was having with one of his colleagues was, you know, what what's the deal with Israel? And they're sort of slow in uh, in counterpunching um, or telegraphing the counterpunch. And then in the last 24 hours, President Biden, I think he was asked uh, on the spot, should there be a ceasefire? And he said, yes, there should be a pause or something like that, which is going to cause all kinds of other uh, repercussions, I think. So let's uh, let's talk to uh, Jared Knott and see what he has to say. How are you, sir? Well, thank you for being on. And uh, I'm getting a little bit of feedback on your. uh, You still there? Yeah, I I can hear you a little bit. It's it's a little choppy, though. Uh, Let's see if it comes back. Um, First of all, uh, as to the premise of your book, um, sometimes it's the smallest mistakes that end up being the biggest problems. I guess I guess is there something that's going on in the Israel thing that makes you think that way? Is there, you know, some aspect of it that makes you think um, that that thing may seem small now, but that may lead us to a bigger a bigger situation that you can't even imagine? Yes, they uh, have uh, a scandal going on in Israel right now. A big investigation is just now beginning as to why. Uh, they were so slow uh, to be aware of and so slow to respond to the threat coming from Hamas. And there were other indications. Uh, Egypt says that they sent warnings uh, to the Israelis three days before that something big was getting ready to happen. The uh, uh, government says, no, we did not receive any warnings. There was also the fact that they were not monitoring the radio traffic for Hamas in the months leading up to this particular event. And they seemed to have let their guard down the uh, Hamas had been very quiet for the previous two or three years, very little activity. I'm sure the purpose of that was to lull the Israelis into a sense of complacency and then surprise them with this big attack. So that lack of uh, alertness, I guess, would be considered a uh, a mistake, a misstep. And again, it's, involved, it's a, a, a subject of a major scandal and investigation within Israel uh, right now. Again, uh, our guest is uh, Jared Knott, an author, the author, Tiny Blunders, Big Disasters, 39 uh, Tiny Mistakes That Changed the World Forever. I mentioned uh, he's a speaker, commentator, and uh, also early in his career, his life was a combat infantry officer decorated in Vietnam. Um, well, so how does it when you looked at these uh, 39 the, 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 and, and then you look at today, one of the things that makes a tiny mistake today even more likely to be a problem or I don't know if it's more likely, but certainly feels like it is the. Uh, social media and the 24 hour news. I mean, it wasn't 25 years. Maybe it was 30 years ago where CNN was the only one covering a war. Now, mm-hmm. now everybody who has any battery left on their phone and cell phone service can cover a war, right? I mean, it's amazing how quickly. So, uh, for example, the, the mistake I think was that they said Hamas said Israel bombed a hospital. Turns out it wasn't a bombed hospital by Israel. It wasn't even a hospital. I don't even know at this point, but for a couple of hours, it was easy to say, well, Israel committed an atrocity. And, yes. you know, I, I, my point is, how do you live in a world where the media comes so fast? Yes, they, uh, of course, they maximized that, that fraud that the Israelis had struck a hospital. As you know, if you look at, by the way, anybody listening, if you have any doubts about that, when they show the video of the supposed bombing of the hospital, what they show you is was obviously a parking lot. 
Well, the, the hospital right. was two or three blocks away, and they just blew up a parking lot. But and so that by itself, just on the video evidence, the, uh, the falseness of the claim disintegrates uh, right there. But it, but they can get a huge amount of damage out of it, spreading it worldwide in just a, a question of minutes all across the United States, all across the world. People out in the streets, oh, they bombed a hospital. Well, no, it turns out. And the, uh, the, uh, the correction gets about one-tenth uh, of the publicity. Right. The right. original charge. Uh, right. That's uh, yeah. That uh, is an old thing. A uh, real quick story. That I remember when I was in Sunday school. They said yes. Uh, a woman spread a false story about a man. He said, "Well, okay, let me show you this box of beautiful flowers, beautiful fe- feathers." So he opens up the box and, and and the wind spreads them all across the countryside. Why did you do that? The story that you said about me that's not true has now been spread all across the countryside. There's no way I can ever retrieve it. And there's the old thing from Secretary of Labor Donovan under the Reagan yeah. administration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where do where do I go to get my reputation? He's found not guilty of the charges, but a lot of damage done to his personal reputation. Where do I go to get my reputation back? Well, you make a very good point. Slanders can be uh, scattered very quickly across the Internet, and they can do a lot of damage, and it's very difficult to correct that damage. Uh, we're, again, we're talking with Jared Knott, and he is the author of the book uh, uh, Tiny Blunders, Big Disasters, 39 Tiny Mistakes That Changed the World Forever. Um, you know, one of the examples in there was this uh, single a single document poorly designed by one single clerk in one single county, which changed the presidential election uh, and led directly to a major war. I- I'm reminded now with I-, I don't know if you saw this. It was sort of came came went fast across the screen. But there's a there's a, a junior minister in Israel that had produced a a document that now that basically talked about uh, you're going to I think it's going to be dislocate all of the uh, citizens of Gaza. And now everybody's denying it. You know, oh, that was a junior guy all the way down the bottom. But it's gotten world attention. And and to your point, uh, this example, it's it's become sort of the defining thing. That's what they really mean to do, whether it's true or not, or whether it was meant to be floated or not. I guess the impact is uh, is what matters. Uh, yes, that's right. Of course, the old saying that the first casualty in war is the truth. And they can take something that has about a 10 cent value or $15 value and turn it into a $2 million value going way, way, way out of proportion. And that's, of course, that's what you expect the enemy to do. You have to know that's coming. Uh, and that, on that subject, uh, you know, the, uh, Palestinians are kind of trapped there in Gaza. Nobody uh, wants them. It's too bad that, uh, their fellow, um, uh, uh, followers there, I think they're both Sunnis, the Saudi Arabians, Arabians, too bad they cannot take a lot of the uh, Palestinians into their territory, the billions of dollars to help do that, or uh, in Egypt or someplace else. No one wants them. There's not welcome any place. And that is the crux of the problem. The uh, enemy does not want that problem to be solved. They want that problem to be the main rallying cry uh, to attack Israel. But that the fact that the Palestinians are trapped there on, in Gaza and they can barely get out at all into Egypt. If that, nobody else in the Arab world uh, wants them. And that is the boiling point for the cause of war. If, magically, they the uh, refugee center or a city in uh, Saudi Arabia, and they could function there, and they had uh, land of their own, et cetera, et cetera, then the huge pressure point against Israel would be removed, and it would, the world would be a different place. Of course, it's easy to say that, and it's extremely difficult to have something like that take place. 
Uh, again, our, our guest uh, is uh, Jared Knott and his book, Tiny Blunders, Big Disasters. What's your sense of uh, the world right now? I mean, you've got you've got a situation. You've got Ukraine with a, a nuclear power on the other side. Uh, the Russians, uh, you know, you've got Israel. Uh, feels like uh, the world is, you know, boiling. But when you look back at at history, as you did in your book, there's other times where it's boiling, right? Is it? Is it? Are, are you more or less concerned? Are you? Do you say to yourself, "There's something categorically different, other than us being in this moment"? Um, or how do you feel about the moment we're in? Well, you look back, you make a good point. You look back over the last 100, 110 years, World War One, what a horrible experience, right. World War II, even worse, right. the war in Vietnam. So the situation in the last 100 years have been times when it's much worse than right now. This situation, however, has the, uh, the wild card, if you want to call it that, of nuclear weapons. And if Iran right. were to get to control of nuclear weapons, and they're very uh, close to it, apparently, and they were to allow them to be used against Israel. Israel, of course, has nuclear weapons. Then we could have the world's biggest nightmare, a nuclear war in the Middle East. So that that is the uh, powder keg, or it's not a powder keg anymore. It's an atomic bomb potentiality that we have to this situation that makes it so much more dangerous than situations in the past. I, I hope I'm not being too optimistic, but I want to say that it's not going to spread to Iran are to nations beyond the immediate Middle East and beyond the immediate area of Israel because they they do know that there's a price to be paid if they were to escalate the war. That's my that's my hope. I will say though, uh, weakness of course invites attack, and a, a case can be made that the war in Ukraine would not have taken place and the war in the Middle East would not have taken place if we had a different president than the one we have right now. He's shown great weakness and uh, great uh, fallibility. Put it that way. And then, and of course, that emboldens our enemies. Uh, I don't, uh, uh, Trump told Putin that if he invaded Ukraine, that he would bomb Moscow. Right, right. And so I don't think that there's no adventurism when Donald yeah. Trump was president. And so I think we got a weakness which has caused these, these two wars. Well, and and, uh, and and to your point, I mean, I, I'm not saying, well, I, I have a preference for Trump, uh, people know, but I, what I would say is weakness and and sort of, there's nobody strong in the American leadership that makes people think, oh, wow, who's going to wield a stick or give a carrot? I mean, Blinken is is like a, is a, is a he's not a, he's not a heavyweight character. He's a bureaucratic uh, handler. You know, there's no, there's no real, um, I didn't like him, but Kissinger was a dominant player, for example. You know, there, there was there was other sort of characters that had some oomph in the in the community uh, of, of the world uh, leaders. So. Um, all right. Unfortunately, uh, Jared, not I'm out of time. Jared, not is again, our guest uh, author, Tiny Blunders, Big Disasters. I will put it up on social media. Uh, thank you for your time, sir. Very interesting. We'll have you back on again. Thank you uh, very much. We'll take a quick break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, we're just talking offline as we're getting ready. Our next guest is uh, Dr. John R. Lott, Jr., uh, well-known economist. Um, you know, Dr. Lott, I, we were talking, you've spoken a number of times at the late Phyllis Schlafly, with whom I worked at her events. But here's the best quote I saw on your website. By the way, it's crimeresearch.org, crimeresearch.org. And Milton Friedman, the late Milton Friedman, said of John Lott, quote, John Lott has few equals as a perceptive analyst 
of controversial public policy issues. And I really, I, I, for lots of reasons that have to do with, I think, your temperament and your style, you've been very effective at being a voice in these controversial issues. And one of them right now is, of course, gun control after what happened in Maine and, and every other chance they have to do this. And this is something that uh, Dr. Lott has written on and researched on and spoken about a number of times. So first of all, welcome, sir. Thank you for coming on the program. Well, thanks very much for having me on. I appreciate it. So um, this the headline on a town hall column, our sister site, is why not enforce existing laws rather than push for new gun control? And this is written by our guest, Dr. Lott, Dr. John R. Lott. Um, the, the problem is politicians don't do anything that's smart. So that's that's putting it aside. But how, how, how can we, the people, demand that? I mean, and, and maybe what's the history of this? You know, when you say in existing laws, there's plenty and they've been passed over the last 20 years as well as the last, you know, 200 years. And here we are. So tell us a little bit about what you're getting at in this column. Right. Well, uh, we're talking about this most recent case, this uh, mass murderer in in Maine. Yeah. Uh, He made threats against other people. Uh, He threatened to kill other people, uh, apparently. And, uh, you know, that's a crime. Uh, He should have been arrested. He should have been uh, prosecuted for for committing those crimes. Uh, He was also... uh, committed to a mental health care facility for two weeks this past summer. Um, you know, I obviously, you know, I haven't seen the mental health reports there, but it's pretty clear that uh, what would have had to happen is that the mental health care experts that had him in there would have to come to the conclusion that he wasn't a danger to himself or others, or they wouldn't have released him at that point. Um, and so, uh you know, and that's something we frequently see uh, in these mass public shooters. In fact, if you look over the last 25 years, over half of these murders uh, were seeing mental health care professionals before their attack. And not in one single case was the individual identified as a danger to themselves or others. So but, you know. Um, you know, part of the problem is uh, just the inability for these mental health care professionals to go and uh, uh, identify these individuals. And they have all sorts of explanations for why they they miss these cases. Um, you know, so this guy apparently had uh, schizophrenia. Uh, there are about two and a half to three million Americans at any point in time that are suffering from schizophrenia. Uh, But if you look over the last 25 years, there's maybe one or two, possibly two other cases uh, where uh, one of these mass murders was suffering from schizophrenia. In fact, it's it's pretty rare uh, to have these types of things, which is one of the reasons why mental health care professionals will say that uh, they have such a hard time uh, identifying these individuals. Uh, and so, you know, people are talking about, well, you know, we just need a red flag law or something. And uh, they already have in Maine a so-called yellow flag law where uh, if police think that the person is a danger to themselves or others, if they think that there's a, a shot, the police, and they may have gotten uh uh, comments from relatives or whatever that brought the police into the picture, they can go and uh, write up a short report, send it to a judge, and a judge is able to go and take away uh, a person's guns without their ability to, uh, uh, you know, even have a hearing. Um, you know, the thing is, with uh, the current law that's right. there, uh, 
you already have a situation where uh, there's something called civil commitment in all the states. If these mental health care professionals thought that there was a problem uh, with the individual, uh, they could have already uh, gone to a judge. And what they could have done in that situation is that uh, there could have been an immediate hearing. Uh, if somebody couldn't afford a lawyer, one would be provided for them. Uh, and then uh, there'd be a determination. Evidence would be seen whether or not the guy was a danger to themselves or others. And if, uh, uh, if it was decided that he was, then uh, the judge has a range of options. He could have voluntary commitment and another hearing in a week or two. He could go and take away the person's driver's license or guns. Or in the more extreme case, he could have been involuntarily committed. Um, None of that was happening. Um, doctor, doctor, we're talking with that again, uh, Dr. Uh, John Lott and his uh, his uh, center is called the Crime Prevention Research Center, uh, which he founded and operates. It's crime research, crime research dot org. Um, so in, in and the, the gun example, the main example is, a, is a obviously hot topic. But broadly speaking, is this a good time to be uh, John Lott, the, the, the guy who can talk about complex uh, public policy issues because some some prosecutors have tried the don't enforce the law. Let's see how it works out. And crime is out of control. Right. So, I mean, and that's one of the so talking about how how you, you know, talking about the research, the relationship between laws and crime seems to be what people should want to do. But are we just living in a world in a world where people are in in camps and they're not paying attention? Or are you finding that people are going, OK, let me figure out why there's more crime because of what's uh, what's not being enforced? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think it's rocket science. I mean, you have had large cuts in police budgets that are there, restrictions on police and their jobs. Uh, you have, as you say, district attorneys who are refusing to prosecute violent criminals. You had liberal judges in many areas in the country releasing half or even two thirds of the inmates from jails, uh, even as even as recently as the beginning of uh, 2022. Uh, you know, and these are young people. These are overwhelmingly people like 18 to early 30s. They're not the ones that we we even knew in 2020 that these weren't the ones that were at risk. And yet they were being released well into 2022. Uh, you know, and you have crazy things like bail reform that they're going on. Uh, you know, there's this notion of marginal deterrence. So there's a case recently in Detroit where a guy killed three people. Uh, he was released on putting up a thousand dollars for bond uh, and he killed somebody else. And so what are you going to do? I mean, he's already facing three life sentences. Uh, you can give him a fourth life sentence. It's going to be he's going to say, well, um, you know, now if you're going to take away my fourth life, then that will keep me from committing. Now I'll, behave, yeah. now, now I'll behave finally. Uh, but but, but uh, again, Dr. John Lott is our guest and, and the founder and the president of the Crime Prevention Research Center, uh, CrimeResearch.org. Uh, you've watched this ebb and flow for years. You know, the gun control movement gets a little energy if the, after it's sort of weaponized by the media, the the uh, you know, the different back leaders in the White House that have a certain positions. But right now um, is is the is the flowing of crime um, an opportunity to get policy and law right and and make progress? Are you feeling that way or, or are you just shaking your head going, man, I wish you people would uh, understand what I was talking about? Well, I think. Even many Democrats are beginning to understand, even if they still give lip service to it, but you don't have all of them changing. Uh, you know, it's 
and, and they're not changing as dramatically as I think that they need to change in these areas. If you want to go and reduce crime after it's gotten out of so much control, you need to go and have a lot more police. I, part of what I think has gone on is uh, they, liberals know that uh, uh, police are probably among the most conservative groups out there, particularly on issues like gun control and what have you. And so part of what I think was going on is that if you can just have kind of a wholesale firing of police officers, particularly older officers that are there, and and then go back and replace them at a later date, you can train uh, the new younger officers to kind of be more sympathetic to the types of political views that uh, that the politicians and what have there. Because you look at surveys of police officers from right. a couple or a few years ago, and they they're among the strongest supporters of private ownership of guns. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, yeah. you'll have like 76 percent of officers think that private ownership of guns are either extremely or very important in terms of reducing crime. Right. You actually right. have no one that says that uh, <laughs> they're a harm for, yeah. uh, you know, increasing crime. Uh, uh, Dr. John Lott, I'm out of time, unfortunately. I got to go. Um, so let me uh, say thank you. And we'll have you back again. It's been a while since I've had him on the show. Um, his again, his website is crimeresearch.org. There's a lot more there. And I should have said at the beginning, he served in senior roles in the Trump uh, administration, which is a great indication when people complain about uh, personnel. Having uh, John Lott, Dr. John Lott on the team was really wise of uh, President Trump. We got to we'll take a break, though, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Mrs. Schlafly was a courageous and articulate voice for traditional values and common sense for more than 70 years. And now from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. Liberals who try to rally support for amnesty for illegal aliens like to paint a pretty picture of families with children coming to America in search of a better life, freedom and opportunity. However, that is a fairy tale told to deceive people who do not know the facts. If liberals really cared about the well-being of children, they would want nothing to do with amnesty. Illegal aliens have been directly responsible for a large number of terrible, violent crimes against young children, including rape and murder. Consider the case of Jamiel Shaw, a 17-year-old American boy who was gunned down execution style by an illegal immigrant. The alien who committed the murder was released the day before for his third gun-related charge. A 13-year-old girl from Florida is another victim of violence by an illegal immigrant. Michigan police arrested Mexican illegal Aurelio Hernandez Gomez after finding him with a girl whom he is believed to have raped after kidnapping her in Florida. Where Hernandez Gomez comes from, Chiapas, Mexico, the sexual age of consent is only 12 years old. Children as young as two and five have been victims of crime by illegals. Manuel Perez Vasquez was deported six times before being arrested for having a head-on automobile collision with a woman and her two children while he was under the influence of marijuana. 
These are just a few sad cases of crimes committed against children by illegal aliens. The image of a hardworking family seeking opportunity in America is propaganda falsehood. The facts should tell us that it is of the highest importance that we take serious action to curb the alarming tide of illegal immigration for the safety of Americans everywhere, especially for our children. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. What's the latest on building the wall to protect our southern border? To the liberal media, it's a joke. But the crisis of illegal aliens is no laughing matter. At phyllisschlafly.com, we're asking serious questions regarding what to build, who's paying for it, and how best to deploy our military. Go to phyllisschlafly.com and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Hey, welcome back to the Pro-America Report. This is Ryan Height here to wrap up the show for Mr. Ed Martin. I tell you what, uh, we had a couple, man, there's a couple of good interviews there. We're getting into the weeds. I love getting into the weeds on issues. And you know why? I, I, it just, I think that in America we have lost, and, and this is, we wanted to make this wrap up. Here's the, what you, instead of a wrap up, let's do a window today of what you need to do. Um, what you need to do is educate yourself. I don't know about you, but I enjoy learning about things. I enjoy learning about uh uh, things that I didn't know before. Now, of course, there's a limit. You know, I, I don't know if anyone except for the folks who are really into it enjoy calculus or some of the very advanced, you know, disciplines. But I mean, I, I just I enjoy knowing about things. I think that that's a good thing. I think that's healthy. And I think that uh, largely and, and maybe you'll disagree with me. Let us know. Uh, shoot us an email. I think that uh, Ed often puts that out there. You can uh, shoot us a, an email Ed at edmartinlive.com, uh, Ed at phyllislafley.com or uh, shoot us a text. I think we've got uh, 314-256-1776. Let us know what you think. Is that lost in America today? Do people not want to be educated, to just know about things, to know things about things anymore? I enjoy that. And I really enjoy getting into a topic, whether it's something about uh, the historical side or something about a scientific discipline. I just like to know a a little bit of of a broad spectrum of things. I want to know. And uh, Dr. John Lott, we're getting into gun laws, existing laws versus gun control. Uh, our great interview with uh, with uh, Ken uh, Abramovitz. Uh, that was really interesting. The multi-front war. Man, I tell you what, I, I enjoy knowing about these things. And um, I enjoy getting into an issue to understand a little bit more about it. I think that that is something that is incredibly valuable to us as Americans with this unique opportunity we're given, born in this country or uh, come to this country of our own choice, uh, to have an opportunity to be a part of the governance here. Uh, we, the people, as, 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 while we're able to, while we can keep it, this republic where we get to go and make these decisions about who represents us and uh, what the values are that they are taking to our government, man, we should be educated and understanding of a broad range of different issues. It should be enjoyable, and I think that we should shoot uh, for that knowledge and that kind of time that we can spend on things. And I tell you what, we we do that actually. Let me. I'm going to put a little plug in here, uh, which I don't think Ed'll mind. I've, I've, you know, get, you, you ask me to fill in, I get to say a few things, and we'll get to uh, self-aggrandize just a little bit. But uh, I know he mentions often <laughs> our day uh, our day job at the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Uh, if you come on 
on over to the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles YouTube or our Rumble account, either one, uh, you're going to find a weekly program called Unauthorized Caucus. We have these kinds of conversations. Uh, Mason and I, my colleague, we get into some of these discussions, and we're not really looking to provide the answers so much as to start the questions. In fact, this week, uh, we are having a really interesting discussion about this this economic myth of the top 1% uh, or this greed of capitalism, the inherent greed of capitalism. We're going to get into it and talk about that. We actually had someone ask, hey, what does this mean? Because I feel like it's this loaded question where the left comes in with a moral high ground and yet they don't make any points. I want to know how do I how do I refute and talk about that issue? Well, let's get into it. I'm not an economist, but let's get into it and start to understand a little bit. That That's what we need to do is to get into different issues and understand it. Just like we talked about at the beginning of the program here, the wink, uh, which was to stay doggedly pursuing after the truth. Uh, sure enough, that means educating yourself on different issues, things that you don't necessarily touch in your sphere of influence or your career or your life, your family, your job. Uh, but it is good nonetheless to be just a little bit educated on all of these different disciplines and to have an understanding there. You can speak intelligently to something uh, or you can dive into that intelligently. And as a part of the governing system here, As a citizen that participates with your civic duty in voting, in having influence in our legislators, uh, in having influence over our executives, in having influence over our judges and our judicial system, we ought to have a little bit of that understanding across all these different disciplines. That is incredibly important. And I think that that love of learning... And that love of just understanding things is, is gone. I think that it is time for us to revitalize that again. I want to do it. I want to raise my kids to feel that way. I, I hope that you feel that same way and will join me. Maybe you'll come on over to Unauthorized Caucus Thursdays at noon. We do a live stream every week and we talk about something. We dive into a ton of different topics and issues. And sometimes it kind of goes across a headline. Sometimes we're going to go deep into the history of something so that we can understand. Hold on. I, I, you know, like I hear about this, but where did it come from? What does that actually mean? mean? And then what do I do about it? Or what do I say about it when I encounter this with someone who wants to talk about it? Uh, Or if I have an opportunity to speak to this? Uh, Or if we just have an opportunity to listen to candidates and go and vote, make a civic decision, uh, we ought to be educated. So that's what you need to do. Uh, take that uh, take that pursuit of the truth, what you need to know that we must not tire in pursuit of the truth. And there's what you need to do is go and find the truth, pursue the truth and research, find education. You don't have to become an expert in all these different fields, but uh, learn something about each of them. Go and enjoy it. Gather things up, gather knowledge. I think that that is incredibly powerful. It is a tool that must be in the belt of our citizenry if we are to continue and preserve this great republic uh, of the United States of America. I tell you what, we must have that come back. Uh, So come on over, Unauthorized Caucus. Join us on Thursdays. This show, the Pro-America Report, is a great place to do that. Uh, You will find conversations about a broad range of issues here, and you will find open-mindedness to search for the truth, not predetermine what it is, especially based off of some emotionally driven argument. You will find people looking for uh, what is true, what is right, and then how we ought to respond. So, uh, 
with that in mind, with that uh, knowing what you need to do and uh, what you need to know today, thank you for being a part of this. Thank you for being here, the Pro America Report. Uh, we're greatly appreciative to our partners over at the Salem Radio Network. I'm grateful to uh, my co-producer, uh, Mason Mohan, and also we're very grateful to Ed Martin for leading this show. Thank you for being a listener and a great part of this show, the Pro America Report. Go to ProAmericaReport.com or PhyllisLafley.com. Sign up for the emails. Find all the past shows and notes and links and resources, and we will look forward to seeing you back back here tomorrow on the next one at the Pro America Report. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.